Welcome to Huddle Home Office. I'm Mark Legere. And I'm Inda NTR. Hi, Inda. How are you today? I'm doing really great, Mark. How about you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. We're recording this uh, on a Friday, and, and it's, been, it's been a long week. Yeah, it has. It has been a busy <laughs> and long week. <laughs> do, you, do you have any, any plans to share with us uh, about your weekend coming up? Um, just probably uh, trying to find a place to hike and then hopefully go to the gym tomorrow if my body's allowing me to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's just me, Inda, but it really feels like, especially you know, uh, in, during the pandemic, that people are really keen about getting outdoors and, and being active and, and doing things these days. Yeah, I mean, it's what else can you do? <laughs> I think, you know, being outdoors, at least you can marvel at nature and have some quiet mind space. And sometimes you run into people with their really cute puppies. And that's what I also look forward to. <laughs> oh, have you met some cute puppies lately, yes. Inda? I did. I did. <laughs> see, see, I, I run a lot, Inda. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't find the puppies so cute. I got to tell you, like I... I, I ran by somebody um, yesterday uh, who didn't have a cute puppy. It was a big Doberman. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I steered very clear of this dog. But even, even the small ones, when you're out on a long run, you know, yeah. they, they, can, they can nip at your heels and you tend to run around them. So, um, yeah, I think you and I view, the, uh, view the, the outdoor dog population somewhat differently. Differently. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I do know what you mean, because I've actually been, um, I kind of have stepped up my running program this year. And uh, so trying to, you know, put in a lot more kilometers and, and get out quite a bit, quite a bit more. Mm -hmm. um, and so, but yeah, no, but I've been, I've been really enjoying it. And if I, you know, if I don't get out for a run every day, I'm, I'm feeling it, right? I'm, yeah. I'm feeling more tired, uh, strangely enough, because it seems yeah. counterintuitive. You'd think that, you know, going out running 10 kilometers would tire you out, but, but I think it's actually you know, good for a lot of us, you know, during this time, especially just to mm -hmm. kind of get out because a lot of us are still trapped in our apartments, depending where you are, right? Or your houses or so it's, I think it's good. It's, it's really cool to also explore or discover parts of the province that you didn't know about before um, through the trail systems and just noticing how beautiful are rivers and oceans and stuff like that. If you have that in your health zone. Um, I mean, I, I've been feeling super lucky that we have that within our health zones. Yeah, I know for sure. Well, thanks a lot for joining me today, Inda, because we're here. Uh, I'm interviewing a couple people on the show that were a big part of uh, a two-part series that you had had done recently on a, a gathering circle of business people mm -hmm. and indigenous leaders in the province. Can you can you tell us a little bit about those two pieces that you wrote that I found personally very inspiring and, and made me want to you know dive in and have a podcast interview with a couple of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think about at the end of December, we start seeing, um, you know, some of um, New Brunswick's tech uh, leaders like uh, Keith McIntosh, um, David Alston, Marcel Lebron, um, and Andrea from Remsoft kind of starting to post um, on LinkedIn that they were calling for uh, the systemic uh, racism public inquiry um, for the justice system. And it's been a, a hot issue, especially following the tragic uh, fatal shootings of uh, Chantel Moore and Rodney Levi in, um, in New Brunswick in June. Um, so it's, but 
maybe the vocalized um, call for it um, was really new because they they actually sought to meet with um, with uh, with government um, and gathered with indigenous leaders and community leaders to learn more about how to play a role in in truth and reconciliation and in helping you know these families with their with their search for justice um so it's yeah i i loved writing this piece it's it's difficult um but i loved it tell me a little bit more about you know the the you know the two people i'm talking to today keith mcintosh and uh and imelda Perley. Yeah, so um, Keith is uh, the CEO uh, and president of Plato um, and PQA testing. So his um, his his business uh, basically offers software testing and automation training, um, as well as some employment um, opportunities for the indigenous workforce uh, across Canada. Um, started here in. Uh, in New Brunswick, so they have a presence, I, I believe, in Fred- in the Fredericton area. Um, that's one of them, and I, I think also in in the Miramichi area, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so for him, it's it's already really important to have you know things like the gathering circle uh, because he had employees and people he was working with that are um, y- you know that their lives are impacted by uh, by um, you know various forms of racism including systemic ones so for him it was something um close to his heart um from what i can gather and imelda is a is an elder um and she represents various first nations actually including uh, saint mary's and tobique in um in uh, in new brunswick and uh she has just so much experience and knowledge and she does a lot of these cultural uh cultural sensitivity trainings uh including for government and um other organizations um in in her career um and she's also an elder with the uh with the uh Mi'kmaq Wolofsky Center in um at UNB and uh you know some of these things she remembers from when she was a kid you know being taken out of uh, school because you know other uh, parents didn't want their kids to to um, to socialize with um, with uh, First Nations children at that time. So it was like this. It it's kind of crazy to kind of talk to someone who who really experiences this like in in real life every day. And I know, you know, from my my conversation uh, into which we'll 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 play here in a couple of minutes. Um, I I was really inspired by their their commitment and passion for for starting conversations, mm-hmm. um, and 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 sharing and sharing with each other. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Keith. You know, he's a, he's a you know a, you use the expression no nonsense business person. He's very very goal oriented, right? And mm-hmm. and so is Amelda. Uh, and you know, and they do have this greater goal of uh, many greater goals, but but one of the immediate ones is is to see an inquiry into systemic racism happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and that's definitely one of the outcomes they're looking for. But uh, in addition to that, for them, they they there's such a commitment to just opening up a dialogue, right, mm-hmm. and and opening up conversation. And you know, they told me that that's really the spirit of of this gathering circle that they mm-hmm. created. There are outcomes, but really. The ultimate outcome is just 
creating a dialogue that allows us all to move forward with a shared sense of purpose, right? And, and mm-hmm. a respect for, for difference and a respect for what makes us the same. And I, you know, I, I have to tell you, like uh, halfway through the conversation, Inda, mm-hmm. I wanted to join this gathering circle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I even mentioned that at the end. I, I'm, I'm still waiting for my formal invitation, but yeah. I, I may just kind of edge my way into the circle. I was actually kidded with Imelda that, you know, maybe in her mind, I'm sure she'd love to see a gathering circle of 750,000, yeah. uh, which is the whole province, right? Yeah. Uh, bring Bring people into this conversation. Um, so I, you know, I found it very inspiring. I, I, I found your pieces very inspiring because you really, you really dug into this issue and, uh, and gave voice to it. Cause it was something into two that it, it, a lot of this conversation happened kind of late December, just as we were heading into Christmas. Yeah. Uh, so this very important conversation, uh, could almost, could almost get lost, uh, mm-hmm. at that point. So I was happy to see you revisit it early in the new year and, uh, your pieces were certainly very thorough and I encourage people to go back and read them, but I bet it made me want to go have the conversation myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I, I, Imelda's openness to speak and to share her knowledge was really, um, it feels really warm to me and it feels, it, it inspires me to want to learn more as well. And to me, it's it shows like this resilience and strength because these are topics that are not, easy to talk about, especially if it affects you and your community. Um, and so for someone like her with so much um, experience to continue to be open to, uh, you know, starting dialogues and opening dialogues, that's really, it's it's really inspiring for me. Me too as well. And, and, and you know, it's made you and I talk quite a bit about making sure that, you know, we, we kind of deepen our reporting on this and, and keep the conversation going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, with, uh, with that, why don't we go to the conversation with uh, Keith and Imelda. Hi, Imelda. Hi, Keith. Hello. Hi, hello, Mark. Hello, Thanks. Keith. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining me today. We're happy to be here. It's happy to be here. Likewise. So, so where do I find you both today? Uh, Imelda, where are you today? I'm at St. Mary's First Nation at my Gabriel residence. Yeah. So what, what's the Gabriel residence? Oh, uh, that's uh, I, I have um, I have a home in Tobik First Nation as well, but as you may have heard, there's an outbreak of COVID there, so I'm um, um, avoiding going to that home. So I'm here at my Gabriel residence at uh, St. Mary's First Nation. Okay, and and uh, St. Mary's that's kind of is that on on that's on the north side uh, yes. uh, from the south side of Fredericton. Yes, north side. And Keith, where do I find you today? Well, I'm sitting in my office at my house where I have been for the last nine or ten months. <laughs> yeah, and so how's that going for you, Keith? Well, I'm wishing that I could get on air. I, I'm thinking I should get on an airplane while there's still one flying out of Fairton, but but <laughs> probably not really. No, it's been uh, it's certainly been a change, and uh, but you know it, it's you're getting used to it. And you're, you're, we're going to deal with it a bit longer, and it's the right thing to do. So. Mm-hmm. You work, you work with what you have. Yeah, because you spend a lot of time on the road, I imagine, with your work, do you? <laughs> I had, and in, at the start of last year, from January 1 until March the 13th, when we when we shut our office down, I had about 23,000 air miles, miles on Air Canada already that year. So it's been a, it's been a bit of an adjustment. I'm learning, I, I recognize my my dog and uh, and, uh, and family again, you know, they recognize me, so it's, it's been a bit of an adjustment. <laughs> 
Have there been a, a lot of adjustments to trying to do 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 business, or, or are you finding that uh, that you're able to still still operate effectively? Our business has 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 been able to operate effectively. Uh, we went from about 180 people on client sites or in offices on a Friday to everybody working from home on the Monday morning, relatively seamlessly. So that part of it's been fine. The, the, the bigger challenge is is, uh, is developing new work, developing new relationships. So we, we continue to work with the people we had. It's, it's much harder to build those those connections. That said, when you do the the uh, the requirement to be there, you know, the requirement to have people on site is is, is changed. So business works. It just works a little bit differently than it used to. And and with you, Imelda, being being away from Tobique, are, are you missing family and friends? You you must have a good community at St. Mary's as well, but you must be missing people. I am. I am, especially grandchildren. And there's a new one that's due on the 19th that uh, we're looking forward to. I know we're not allowed to go in the hospital anyways, but just to be just to be there. But we're uh, waiting for public health to give us the green light to be able to go back. You know, so a lot of people are in quarantine right now at Tobik. But yes, here I'm, I'm also kind of self-isolating. I, I should be at the Chief Harold Sapir Memorial Elementary School this week, but I opted to ease the worry of the community of knowing I'm originally from Tobik and therefore um, don't want them to think that I've been back and forth to Tobik and bring the virus back. So I've just been um, avoiding, um, you know, going into work and stuff so just staying home and just doing work from here you must be looking forward to us uh, coming out of this this period so you can go back and and see them yes yes well probably a good place for us to start keith and i'd probably start with you is um tell me about how this gathering circle came together and and why well it um i i run a, a company called Plato testing which you probably know about and that, that trains and, and, and employs um, indigenous folks all, all across the Canada and um, here started here in New Brunswick and, and, a, and a big portion of them are here and and one of the one of the women that, that works for me Shawnee Polches you know it's a it's a small company and we're friends and we, are, and we all talk to each other and, and, and connect with each other and and when uh, when the the, the, the um, Chantal Moore was uh, killed. I, I believe it was, or might, and it was probably after the Ron, the Rodney Levi one. The two of them happened, and, Sh- and Shawnee had been um, uh, posting on her uh, on her Facebook about how bad she felt, and, and how and and she got some really hate, negative, hateful comments on her Facebook from people that you know, that I didn't think was right. And I and I reached out to her and I said, Shawnee, I, I'm 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 sorry. How what can what can I do? What can how can how can I help? What can I do to help? And she really just said, well, you know, she just she wrote wrote me back, and we talked a bit, and I realized that Shawnee has such a a powerful voice that that, that and has a lot of stuff to say. Uh, it's a shame that more people weren't hearing it. You know, we get in a in a in Facebook, you're you're in an echo chamber, you're talking to your friends already, but you're not necessarily talking to getting outside that outside that. So so I said, Shawnee, what do we, what if we um you know some other businesses, Andrea Finicky's had 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 uh, reached out to me and and say knowing where knowing the work that I do, and said how how can I help? Because this is this is not just a uh, this is not just a, a problem that Shawnee and 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 
the First Nations people here in New Brunswick face. This is something that bothers bothers other people, more people. It affects, it affects all yeah. our lives. And Andrea said, hey, I, I really want to help. I don't know how. And I thought, well, Andrea, as a, as a business leader, wants to be wants to be part of the solution. Shawnee, as an indigenous woman uh, who who feels the, the you know the effects of the, these two uh, killings, uh, the the whole missing and murdered murdered indigenous women piece, and there's lots of there's so many things on. Maybe maybe we start. Why don't they talk to each other? Why aren't they talking to each other? Why doesn't Andrea know what she can do to help? Why doesn't Shawnee know who's reach? So we start. I thought, what what if I bring together some people that I know I've, I've been I'm pretty I'm pretty privileged in that I sort of get to walk in a whole lot of different worlds I have I, I've spent a lot of time working with with indigenous first nations across the country I've been in in IT in the IT business sector here for for uh, for many for many years uh, too many to count and uh, and uh, and I was I was I was uh, a few years ago uh, UMB Eddie, uh, President Eddie Campbell and UMB gave me a gave me an honorary degree, and that allowed me I'd be able to meet a lot of the academic folks, and 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 I met Imelda originally, I believe, through that through that process. So what if I take the piece? Maybe what I can do to help is connect people. So I reached out to to well, Shawnee and I talked about it. And we reached out to Andrea, and then and we and then I think Imelda was the next person on our list to call and 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 say. What if we, I, I think that what causes hate, what causes racism is this lack of knowledge. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's lack of, of understanding, but understanding because you don't know, it's easy to hate or, or disrespect people that you don't know. But if you talk to people, if, if you, you, you it, it, then it becomes that much harder um, to do. Uh, so I thought, why don't we start people talking? Just get people talking and see what happens. So there was no agenda. For the gathering circle, it, it, we didn't, in fact, even know it was a circle at that time. I think, <laughs> uh, but it, but um, it was to bring people together, to so that business people can understand what what young women like Shawnee are are, are going through, so that Shawnee can understand how how business people and uh, and and, and non-indigenous people see the world and and, and find a common ground. So that's how we got there. It turns out that it's worked very well, and and the agenda has grown. You know, we're 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 you know, we are we're coming to 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 be able to feel we have some some authority or a voice to raise questions and and try and drive the drive thing improvements. Uh, we're looking for we're 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 growing and adding more people into the circle as well. So Amelda, what was your what was your impression when Keith reached out to you? That, that first time uh excitement and and you know when i led the uh, healing walk for Chantel moore and and the reason like I, I i really got a lot of um uh heat from my own community members saying why should we be silent we need to voice out etc and i said look at how many years we've been voicing nobody hears us so let's just hope in the silence to appease Chantel Moore's family that in silence we can still achieve something. So let's pray to our ancestors who are, you know, spiritually listening to us. And uh, let's 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 show that if we're not going to be hurt, then let's do these. And, and I and I really didn't want 
my people to call it a protest because as we're not protesting at this point, we just need to heal together. And so let's instead of um, instead of the army fatigues and what you saw at, you know, other protesting, you know, what that community was calling protest, you know, at uh, Elsie Bookduk, at uh, Burn Church and all of those. And 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 I really wanted to get away from this idea of wearing fatigues because I didn't want us to feel that we were at war, that that. Uh, and, and so I said, wear your moccasins. So I sent out protocols pre Chantel Moore's healing walk to both non-indigenous peoples and to to indigenous peoples on what to do and how to do this and let's come together and let's really let's really in silence kind of contemplate that. So when Keith called, it was almost like the answer to the prayer, like the aha, you know, that silence did work, you know, because as he said. You know, Shani wasn't being heard, even though she was voicing. And and so for me, the silence was the, you know, the catapult. And, and, and I really want to keep promoting that because I don't want, I, I always believe that when we protested in previous times, I, I always claimed that we've been assimilated to the point that we protest like them. We, we 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 use their language. We don't use ours. We we raise our voices like they do against us, and we're doing the same thing. So I don't think there would ever be any of a any kind of a truce if we didn't yield back to our own cultural ways and and appease through our cultural values of. All right. Like Kate said, it's misunderstanding. There's not enough, you know, education that we're trying so hard. Like right now I'm working on a document for grade five curriculum on treaties. Now, here we are, 2021, and treaties were signed back in the 1700s, yet we're just now entering it, that information into the schools. So like Kate said, there's such a big gap in all of that. You know, when, when we go from you know, when we talked about business yesterday, you know, uh, of, co- of course, we're we're starving for economic wealth because what our wealth was, uh, everything that we did, our fishing, our, our, you know, surviving off the land is now crown land. And so we're limited on what we can do on crown land because we're put on reservations. And so it limits us on what we can do economically because all of our businesses are now crown businesses, you know, and stuff. So, so that, that affects, that affects that misunderstanding. So, so we're polarized because they think we're trying to take some, look at the fisheries now. We're told, oh, uh-uh, you're taking, you're, you're taking all the lobster, you're taking all the fish and how dare you and limit our intake. And so uh, I, I, don't understand why we're still being, you know, put on the, you know, the outside, you know, of that economic building language. And and that's for me is my, uh, I, and I use my language as a guide to the protocols, like, okay, in our language, there's no road for protest. It's guard. It's guarding your, your worldview, you know, and, and, and as opposed to, uh, uh, just arms in a war, 
and in the language, it's um, it's telling us to uh, we have to help each other understand. That's what the Turo Wampum Belt is. You know, this this idea of here's one culture and here's another culture. Let's 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 take our culture side by side. Yes, there's interaction, but not to the point of you're not allowed to do this, but we're allowed to do this. You're allowed, you know. So so that's uh, so this circle is for me the um, the medicine towards that cultural, you know, humility of admitting that they're, they don't know enough about us and to lead to cultural awareness. Well, there is some, there is some things that we need to share. There's sensitivity training, there's competency, but ultimately we want cultural safety to be able to say, you know, uh, our culture is safe from, you know, being, being attacked, you know, so that the next generation's don't have to uh, feel that they're not welcome in society because they're indigenous. A question for um, for for both of you, uh, Melda and Keith, that I have is like, so you have this um, gathering uh, of leaders, and and a number of them, Keith, are you know New Brunswick uh, business leaders, and a lot of them in the tech industry. Um, I'm curious about what the conversation is at these tables um, around, do you have conversations around the economy and labor participation and, and what, what, indig- what indigenous participation looks like and what an indigenous economy looks like? like- <laughs> Sometimes, I mean, it, it, that's part of what the original idea was, was that how do we include people if, if you empower people, how do you raise people's voice? You can give them a microphone or a megaphone and it can, it's louder, but in order to make their voice heard, sometimes it's about how to give them more power, you know, get them. So if you get them uh, education, as Imelda said, and there's been a lot of, there's quite a bit of talk about education, reforming the education system, bringing that, bringing, keep kids in school and get them more, edu- more education. You know, I, my, my work is about getting take going from training to employment i believe that that the economic the, the truth and reconciliation comes about on a person reconciliation comes about person by person and each person by giving them um economic um uh, opportunity and economic freedom or economic well-being that strengthens them enables them to ch- do more for themselves and and, and spreads that's how I work things. So, we, so that was part of the original conversation. And certainly, uh, the, you know, as business leaders, we're entrepreneurs that we tend to think about things about how to do, you know, how to solve the problem today, how to move forward uh, uh, on a very, on a very, you know, economic basis. But then by having, you know, Imelda, by having David Purley and Ivan Augustine in, in the conversation, uh, we've uh, had Natasha Simon, who is at the UMB Wistakway Center, and, and uh, Amanda Myron. The, the, um, there's a lot of uh, of folks that have a, have a education that has been and and experience in the education system. That's a big part of the conversation too. Of course, you know the some of the the, the social justice things as as the summer war on war on between the Chantal Moore and Ronnie Levi and the, the Black Lives Matter that so it's it's there is no one subject of talk of conversation in the meetings I will say that it's also created networks so that not just in those in those meetings but outside those meetings we we now all know each other and our friends you know and, and have have those conversations and that's that was that was really the idea is it 
we spread it so it's not just a, a two or three hour meeting once every three weeks it's you know when Imelda has something she can reach out to to mm -hmm. Marcel Marcel has an idea about making a film he can reach into to Imelda's network and, and talk about it or or mm -hmm. Andrea has, has an opportunity in forestry she can she knows who to talk to right so mm -hmm. it's not just economic certainly and it's sort of but that's always part of it and I know each of the circles that we've had, we've hosted them in different places. So Andrea hosted it at her home, for example, you know, and stuff. So that meant she was trusting enough to have this circle in her, you know, in her in her personal space. And that that's that's a lot to say. And so the next one, I invited them to come to a new building here at St. Mary's. We have a place called Abadao Sawigwam, which means bringing the um, ancestral spirit back to life for uh, addicts who have been incarcerated or have been in, you know, um, rehab centers and, and come back to their community. And so we're trying to do a support system of helping them come back into the community with the safety of their culture to be able to, you know, be, be a credible citizen again, as opposed to being feared. You know, and so um, so we had our circle there and I wanted I wanted our group also. I, I have a culture I want to share. I want to talk about the sweat lodge. I want to talk about this. I want to share about why we do pipe ceremonies and, you know, and all of that. So it's an exchange, you know, it's an exchange of um, and, and which needs to happen. It's an exchange of cultures. And, and I think that's where the medicine is, you know, in that, you know, what truth and reconciliation is asking for. You know, it's that Bilwi de Haswalsawagan is a word that um, I translated for uh, the former president, Eddie Campbell. And because he had asked me, he said, uh, what's the indigenous word for reconciliation? And I said, well, first of all, in English, it's a noun. In, in my language, it would be a verb. And so, um, so Bilwi de Haz means somebody changing their attitudes because they're learning more about, you know, that group. Walsawagan has to do with now that you, uh, now that you, you know, uh, have been humble enough to admit you don't know, you're sensitive enough to be aware there are differences that we can live with, but you have to walk the talk. It can't just be, oh yeah, that, that that's them and this is us. So Bill Wieda has Walsawagan really entails uh, change in attitudes because there's a better understanding and it's going to be an ongoing thing. It's not going to be, okay, everything's all solved now. Obviously, it's going to be generational because it took this many generations for us to get to the point of us struggling just to have our language heard, just to have a, a ceremony. I mean, smudging policy right now. I, I'm working on doing a policy where our children are allowed to smudge without retribution of, oh, no, no, there's no smoking, therefore you can't smudge either, you know. So so there's things to be worked out still. And so for me, having the business community, because they have staff, they have employees, they have this um, uh, uh, economic, you know, uh, wealth, to be able to, like Keith said, you know, to uh, be more inclusive as opposed to being exclusive. And I think that's what the Truth and Reconciliation, um, uh, you know, um, those calls to action are, you know. I'm very curious about, I mean, everybody has their own kind of personal 
passions and motivations to to do this work uh and i'm sure the, the you know the gathering circle itself and and the participants all have their own connection points i'm curious keith about your you you could run you know a, a software company um just on its own but why why what motivated you to bring the indigenous labor piece into this work for you well, I, I haven't answered that. I have four reasons. There are four parts to it, I think. Three or four. I can't remember them. I think there's four, right? Some have some. The first one is um, five years ago, five and a half, five years ago, six years ago now, I guess. Um, you know, we were we were trying to run, we were running a testing company in New Brunswick. And there was all kind, you know, at the same time, Radiant 6 is there or Salesforce is there and IBM's there. The government had just given uh, BMM uh, money to you know, the, the, the traditional job creation money. Right? We'll give you to, to hire, BMM came in promising to hire a thousand testers, and the government you know, was going to pay them, you know, whatever the number is, some subsidy to hire each one. And I thought there's there's two problems with that. One problem is that um, um, there aren't a thousand testers out in New, in New Brunswick looking for a job. So they're going to get them from me. That's a bad thing. They're, gonna, they're not new jobs. They're just anytime we do this, we're just we're just moving jobs around. We're not creating new jobs. But but the other problem is that's too bad because why aren't there a thousand people? You know, we hope that uh, we uh, there's and it's a thousand before that. There's a hundred and two hundred thousand unfilled technology jobs. So I was trying to create a labor pool. And in New Brunswick, we have this aging and and, and migrating population. At the time everybody was going to Alberta, we hope we keep we keep hoping that. People will come back. People, we've advertised that Brunswick is a great place to live. Come work here. Well, you're going to get paid half as much money, and and it's slow. And is is, is it really a great place? I, you know, that that's an argument, but I'm not sure it's a it's a a completely winning argument. Or we hope the immigrants are going to come in and solve our problem. But but we but there's not going to be enough. It's hard for immigrants. Immigrants come to Toronto in huge numbers, but not to New Brunswick. You know, we are. I think this pandemic is going to help us in that way a little bit right now. We we certainly look attractive. But hoping for outside help is didn't, didn't seem to be the answer. We have 30,000 uh, indigenous uh, folks in the province that are under uh, under included, underrepresented in the economy. So why not? Isn't that part of our answer? At the same time, you know, I was at um, that, that summer I was on the Governor, Can Governor General's Canadian Leadership Conference. And that's that takes brings people from all across the country, jams them together. It, 250 type A personalities divides them up into groups to go to see different parts of the country. You spend 10 days with 20 people on a bus for 15 or 18 hours a day together. Something's going to happen. And that the Truth and Reconciliation Report was released then. And um, you know, we really were talking about you know, there were some of the, part of our group. Some of them were indigenous. There were two or three three indigenous folks in our group of 18. They were really, t and, and those of us, some of the folks that weren't, they just didn't, under, you know, what's the big deal? Why does this matter? And it really does matter. It really did matter to the people. We went from, in Montreal, our group was in Montreal and Eastern Townships. So and we went from uh, dinner one night in a, in a penthouse office suite on, on China, so fine that when you held the coffee cup up, you could see through it. You could see the shadow through it. It was so fine. The next morning we went to uh, Kanawaki, 
and went over on the bus and by the cigarette shops and down a dirt road. And it's just across and came to this little K, K to six school. And the bus pulls in and all the people get off the bus, you know, the tour people get off the bus and the, the doors swing open. The kids come running out to see all these important people from from around Canada come to see them. And when the door opens, the kids come running, you smell them. You smell. And I asked, we asked, what's that? What's that smell? And it's the water in that school. So we, you know, you can stand there and see the skyline of Montreal and smell the water in the school. Mm -hmm. school. And that's just mm -hmm. And so this was, you know, there were 18, 20 type A people, business people, education, edu educators, uh, government, union. And I, I was talking to Denis Karen on I said, why is this? Why, why is nobody doing anything about it? Why isn't it? Why, how is this possible? And it's, it's a big problem. You know, it's a big problem. You know, and how do you, what, what, you, know, is it, you know, what can you do? What do you do about it? And I, and I don't know. I don't know how to fix the whole thing. But I know the first thing you do is you start. Mm. And uh, so that, that was, the, you know, that was sort of the catalyst of this idea. I have a company in a, in a, in a, a province that needs work, in, in, in a job, in an area that needs workers, and a province that needs taxpayers with a whole group of the fastest growing demographic in Canada looking for opportunity. And the fourth reason I wanted to do it was I wanted to make PQA better. I wanted to make, how do you, how do you attract young millennials? How do you get millennials to come work for you? How do you get motivated people to come work for a testing company? It's not Glory, it's not Apple, it's not, it's not, it's not Tesla. It's, it's, how do you get them to come? Kids, you know, you know, we I used to go to work when I was a kid because I wanted money to buy a, a car and a stereo and whatever. But that doesn't seem, you know, having the, the big gas on the car is not the number one motivator. Half of my my kids don't have cars yet and they don't really care. And how do you motivate kids? Kids, it's, and I, I was re, it just happened. I was reading at the time. You know, there's other. You know, maybe it's not just about mon monetary values anymore. Not it's not just about security. And the world's so big, kids seem to be more willing to go to, to you know, if I, this doesn't work, I'll do something else. It's about giving them a reason. It's about mm -hmm. giving them, making them feel that they're they're included and in doing something important. So those are the four reasons. Uh, we need workers in technology. New Brunswick needs a, needs people contributing to, to the economy. Uh, I want to make PQA better and attract millennials and, and ambitious young folks. And it's embarrassing the conditions and the way we've treated indigenous people in Canada and in the, in, in the most beautiful country in the world with that we have everything and we can't do that right. So for us, so I, that's where, that's how I started, why I started being involved in this. You know, I, 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 you know, I've always been a bit lucky. I've been able to walk in multiple worlds and, and I grew up around with indigenous, in, in the, with indigenous folks and, and 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 not and being part of it and being accepted and and um, um, so it was it was easy that part was easy for me but you know I I had a gathering here in my my backyard one we always have a company barbecue here and uh, some of the Plato folks came and, and one of the one of the one of the guys I forget was whether had man one of the employees or or their their spouse said you know this is the first you know I've never been in a in a non indigenous house and had someone offer me a beer before mm. and 
and and the, and the school in, in Fairton on the across the river on the north side in the middle of of St. Mary's when it first came up people parents didn't want to have their kids walk into school because they had to walk through the through the station mm -hmm. you know, both of those things are wrong and they're only there because people don't know people mm -hmm. so PQA is a much better all the things I wanted to do the reason I did it have helped have, have, have happened you know we've got we have people working and it's been great for our business we have more people on both indigenous non-indigenous wanting to work with us business has, has flourished and we're, you know we've probably doubled in size and since i started this project but the most important thing is you see things like this gathering circle happening that and here in all in all our offices all across the country people just talk to people like they're just other people imelda this kind of you know gathering circle that you're part of now with with keith and others does this seem like a long way away from how how you grow up and and the kinds of separations that would have existed for you with with uh, non-indigenous people when you were younger? Oh, absolutely. I I remember um, one of the things that happened to me as I we were talking about yesterday about um, not knowing what money was, you know, um, and I I remember how the Indian agent would set up a clothing store, a furniture store, and a grocery store. So any relief checks that came to the community went, you know, would, would uh, our, my grandfather would go to the store and say, here's my check. And of course, he would say, well, you have a, um, you have a, um, uh, a, a bill. So they would just kind of cross off, okay, give me your check and I'll cross off some of your bills that things, supplies you got from last month. So we never got any change back. Do you know what I mean? So, I rem so of course, I didn't know how to handle money. So when I left the school at Perth at the young age, I went to New York and I remember my aunt thinking that because uh, she'd already been living in the States for a long time. So she gave me a $20 bill. She says, go, here's my grocery list. Go get them for me. Instead of me going and getting the groceries, because we were never allowed to get the groceries, we were just give the money to the person at the cashier and they would go get the groceries because we weren't allowed in the stores because we were considered thieves. And so we always had people looking watching and make you know whenever we went into the store like i still feel that sometimes when i'm in a store you know because it's just from that time in my life so when i took the 20 dollar bill to the store i remember giving it to the woman says here's my aunt and this is what she wants she says well young lady go get it i said uh, i'm indigenous uh, well i didn't say indigenous i'm maliseed and you're letting me go in the store so yeah you know so and then the idea that Keith was talking about, yes, people are still afraid to come to our First Nation community. David and I hosted what we called cultural awareness sessions for Indigenous and non-Indigenous students. And we spent a week on the land and we did ceremony and archaeological things and so on and so forth to get the students, the high school students, to be comfortable with each other and to get to know each other. And then we decided, well, if, when the students go back with this knowledge, what about the teachers? What about the administrators? So we started to expand our cultural circles and invite a teacher. So one year we decided after a few years of being put up in hotels at the government's expense for this session, David and I said, you know, they're not teachers are learning. Yes, but they haven't learned how to feel safe with us by let's host the next one at our home in Tobik. 
and we'll invite all 30 teachers. We'll put mattresses side by side, you know, and then we'll have them all stay as opposed to having the amenities of a nice hotel and show them this is how we live. And so those 30 teachers came to Tobik and we roughed it, but we had such a great time. And when those teachers were going for their morning walks in the community, they saw some of their former students and the students were like, Mrs. Blah, blah, blah. You, what are you doing here? And they were, they were shocked to see their teachers walking in their community. So, yeah, it's different. So, like Keith said, you know, when somebody was said, geez, I can't believe I've been offered a beer. I have a World War II vet who since passed who had it. When he came back from World War II, he saw all of his buddies go into a liquor store to buy their drinks. And, of course, the uh, so he thought, well, I'll put my uniform on and maybe I can get a drink. Because at that time, there was a law against uh, indigenous people, you know, buying alcohol. So he went up there and he got refused. And he says, well, wait a minute, you just, that soldier ahead of me, you, you gave him something. And he goes, yeah, but you're you're native and, and we're not allowed to sell booze to you. So he goes, sir, look at my uniform. I went over across the ocean and I took shots for you. The least you can do is give me a shot, you know. And so the guy ended up giving him, selling it to him, you know, and stuff. But but that's the attitude, and and this is what this is why the TRC calls to action are okay. Let's let's start these dialogues. Let's start these circles. Let's let's start talking to each other. Let's invite each other. Let's you know. And and for me, it's really important because I I work at the national level for mental wellness. And I tried to say thank you, Health Canada, for all the clinicians you bring to our communities. But we want to help the clinicians learn about our traditional ways of healing as well. Don't, don't dismiss our ways of healing as being, you know, just because we don't go to the drugstores as often, just because we don't, you know, uh, do that doesn't mean we don't have ways of healing, um, you know, stresses, et cetera, and all that. So, so my role in all the communities is is uh, and, and now at the national and international level is I share those cultural pieces so that mental wellness isn't such a stigma, you know. And uh, so so for me, this circle is that's why I call it medicine, mm. because it's good medicine to live in a peaceful, expanding our heartfelt, you know, what we want for all people, not not just for indigenous people, for all people. Let's let's make that. Let's make what we're let's let's make our circle be that that um, council fire that's going to counsel others on how to be a good treaty relative. You know, let's let's live in peace and friendship, you know, but let's learn about each other. So for me, yeah, the circle means a lot to me. And, and, and it strikes me, too, that um, I'd be curious for your your perspective on this, Keith, because I know that you. You know, you would work in in an environment that was very, you know, results oriented, product oriented, that that in order to get to this place where we have, uh, you know, a shared sense of building the economy, we actually have to have that mutual understanding. And and that takes time. Right. And that takes gathering circles that are somewhat open ended in 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 their agendas and what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, one of the. I think it, we all we brought the different, you know, a lot of the 
the business people together and, and the first the, the first instinct is what's the problem here's the answer mm-hmm. and and almost I, I would say probably to uh to 100 each one of us have come to the have, have come to the understanding that it took us hundreds of years to create this problem we're not going to fix it today and we need to slow down don't assume that you know what the problem is don't assume that you know what the question is we need to as as entrepreneurs uh, you know as all, all entrepreneurs as a, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a guide as a man too you know your first instinct is grip your hands on and do something and you learn the gathering circles well first off there is no agenda there is no oh join this circle this is what we're going to do that's not that's not there right from the very start so that's a clue but once you get into it you realize it really is just about sort of slowing down and absorbing things and 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 and, and hearing what people are say are saying it, it's it's if it's it's a listening circle it, it's a mm-hmm. you're right absolutely it's it just takes time to build these connections and build this trust you know I've, I when I started Plato five those years ago I, okay this is easy there's people we we have work they need jobs I'll just go say here come join and they'll do it and it turns out that that wasn't that's not the case that there's there it's a much much more complicated problem it's not that indigenous folks don't want to work it's that they don't there's so there are so many barriers in, in front of them to keep them out of things perhaps so now so you can't just say here's the work come do it you have to you have to address all those barriers and and slowly unravel and 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 pull apart the the strands until you find where the <clears throat> where the kernel is that you can start to to make to build the foundation again and it's the same in in so many different you know that's my experience in business in, in the business side but it, it it's that way in everything whether it, it's whether it's shopping in a store or 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 or, or housing or or anything that you just have that yeah there's no agenda there is a just absorb and learn and 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 work way at it imelda when you hear uh you know keith talk about his his business and how he built his, his business and the opportunities that that are being created for young indigenous people in tech um how do, how do you reflect on that you know your sense of what it means for indigenous people to take part in the economy uh the opportunities for young people is keith on on the right track in terms of the opportunities that he's offering what, what opportunities do you see oh absolutely because one of the things uh my first year as elder in residence uh, i forget now eight nine years ago at unb and i've been teaching at unb almost 30 years and i noticed there's still this hesitancy of self you know, uh, it's almost a self-destructive attitude that the indigenous students bring to the universe because they don't fit in. You know, they don't fit in. They're, they're, they'll, they'll go to their class and they'll leave. So we tried so many different ways of encouraging them to do cultural activities, a powwow, or those kind of things. So one of the things I, I asked the dean of the day, if I could have a mural painted on the wall because UNB didn't really have a lot of indigenous anything. And so I said, you know, they don't see themselves on campus. You know, John Kimbell, when he came many, many years ago, said, I can't even tell whether there's indigenous people in this territory on this campus. There's nothing indigenous here. So I had this beautiful mural 
And the mural told the story of inviting indigenous people. So I would tell them all of the symbolism on this mural, this is for you. And I want you to know that you can still be Mi'kmaq, Passamaquoddy, Inuit, Métis, whatever. You can still come to UNB. But the first thing you put in your backpack is the pride in who you are. Then you put your laptops, et cetera, and all of that into it. And for me, the technology has been such a boom in, you know, um, uh, having more self-pride, you know, uh, because they, they, they are in that. I mean, they, they are uh, they have an aptitude for that, of course. You know, I know because I have to ask my five year old, how do you do this? How do you do that? You know, but no, um, it, it's totally important. But you know what holds back? The, the job market for our people is bilingualism. Because bilingualism, you know, 50 years, what, 51 years this year? Or was it 2019? It's been 50 years. I forget now. Yeah, I think it's been, uh, so it's been 52 years that bilingualism was brought together as French and English being able to, you know, promote economy for French and English. Well, that, 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 that's kind of, holding back our students because our students have to choose French or Wollastigway or Mi'kmaq in order for them to get their high school diploma or their, you know, they have to choose. So I was at the high school. I taught at Fredericton High School and I saw then that even though I was bringing language to the school, it was restricted to just indigenous people. So my question to the principal of the day was, well, wait a minute. Does that mean only English people can take English and only French can take French? Why is my language being limited to just indigenous people? And so if that's true, then we're definitely limiting what our students, of course, they're not going to want to take the language if, if, if it's not going to be celebrated as something that's going to be as promoted like Mandarin, because Mandarin is an economic language that's been promoted in high school so that people can learn, you know, to be world economist. What about our language? And so I, I left the high school and I remember how sad it was to tell my students, I won't be coming back because I don't want to tokenize my language. I'll see you at the university. And so at the university, anybody can take it. And of course, there were people upset with me because I was teaching non-Indigenous people the language. I said, wait a minute. What, how, what right do we have to tell non-Indigenous people, you can't learn my language while we're using English, you know? So, I, you know, because we have people that'll say, that's my language, I don't want you to learn it. And I'm saying, whoa, do you realize you're saying it in their language? You know, so, so, um, so I'm really trying to break that barrier where language does limit economic development because unless the policies change in our high schools, then let French be one of the languages so that we can be trilingual if we have to be, you know, to be able to be accepted as uh, hireable, you know, to get a job because we understand the different languages. But I don't want our language to be a, um, uh, you know, a, a block to, uh, well, I'm sorry, you don't know French, therefore, you know, because we, we can say we're bilingual but it doesn't have the same essence as when you're bilingual in French and English. To kudos to everybody that uh, gives us that opportunity, you know. 
Um, uh, there are some cultural things. Sometimes employees have difficulties with, because I know I've had to deal with it through school, like when we have a death in the community. And so our, our cultural way is we, we, we have to take, we have to take the weight of that sadness from the family. So we have to be community minded to be there. And so of course people will say, well, that's not your direct relative. You know, and so, and then, so we're saying, yeah, but that's our cultural way. You know, that's why hospitals, I've, I, I've had to, I've, I've been still, I'm still trying to get a palliative place for indigenous ceremony in a hospital. I went through three top people at the hospital saying, we do death different than non-indigenous people do. Can we please have the space to be able to do a ceremonial letting go of that person because that's our cultural way. So it's being heard. I've had the chance to, you know, cause I'm usually the one called on both at birth and both at that other, you know, aspect of our life. But, um, but we've had, we've had to climb a lot of, you know, um, issues. Uh, the, the hospital um, um, in uh, Halifax for the children, the, um, uh, oh, I forget the name of it right now. IWK. Yes, we did. We did a session, the Mi'kmaq elders and I, and we asked the IW because they were interested in doing what they called a medicine chest, meaning they would keep a closet for indigenous people that had their children there, but they would have access to smudge, access to moccasins, access to a drum, access to a shaker, access to healing shawls, you know, those kind of things. So they could have their cultural comfort zones there when they're going through that. And so I've, I've never followed up on it, you know, to see whether that's still something. But I really feel that this is where the gap is in all aspects. So when the business world opens up their doors and uh, does the training and invites our people, I, that's a good thing. Where do you feel both feel like you're getting with with the um, the provincial government and the premier on, on these conversations? Because I know, you know, there there can be, you know, and I'm not, you know, ascribing these views to won't put words in the premier's mouth, but there there can be, you know, there can be that sense that you know we just need we need to move on, right? The the past is the past. Um, we need to find a, a path forward, and and that can be you know, that can be an insensitive process, right? And I know that, that your group is, is all about and your circle is all about finding that place of shared understanding so that you can move forward. Uh, where, where do you feel like you are with the provincial government having this kind of conversation? Well, we, we, uh, we, we, are, we sent uh, a letter, we, we, we authored a letter, the group authored a letter and sent it to the government asking for a response. Uh, we have gotten response back that they will they're that they're they're willing to meet with us so that's you know that's that's a start that's a step if, you know if we have the meeting and 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 can and, and hear hear what they what where their what their position is and what their what their intent is and and they can and hear our feelings about the matter too this is that's a start you know um i i agree i think in a certain sense the past is the past you can't change the past. Mm-hmm. We have to move forward and move on and make it better. But as much as you can't change the past, you have to deal with the past. It's, it's there. It, it, you have to learn from it. You have to you have to 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 accommodate and and correct it where it was wrong and and take advantage of it. I guess where it was right. If that's the case, 
you can't ignore the past. The, the, the future is what matters and where we're going, we're, we're all working for it to, to make it better, but it's affected by the past. You know, mm. I think I, somebody, I don't think it was me, came up with it, but if you don't, those that don't know the, the history are bound to repeat it, right? And we need to know the history. We need to recognize it and deal with it. And, and But yes, we do need to move forward too. It uh, is part of... It is part of uh, dealing with it and, and confronting it, an inquiry into systemic racism. I I think so. I I I, it, it, I I think that it helps. I think that it's I think that it's important to uh, the indigenous community uh, to have it. Uh, and, you know, the, the, certainly the Chantal Moore and uh, and Rodney Le- Levi situation. Has, has crystallized that, so it's absolutely their their uh, prerogative to ask for it and expect for that. I would um, uh, I will I will break a, a I will point out that it's not just indigenous people that are uh, uh, that face racism in in this province. Mm. I uh, you know there's a lot of people that you know anybody that anybody that is not um, you know. And anybody that's not white male understands that there is racism that goes on every day. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to the conversation. But, um, uh, you know, one of the things that I really appreciate is I don't just depend on the government. I, I um, for example, my World War II victim that I was talking about, I was his apprentice for, you know, 25 years. And one of the things he made me promise before he passed was, I want you to keep a good relationship with the base commanders at Base Gagetown because our indigenous veterans were mistreated and uh, have never really gotten their deserved recognition. And so I've been really lucky to work with, and I, I'm, I, and I'm still, you know, I met the new base commander and. Um, we, we plan on doing something for our youth so that our youth will be the uh, ambassadors towards this truth and reconciliation by being good, uh, by, you know, building a relationship between the children at the base and then the children at the Ormokto First Nation because they go to the same schools, you know, and stuff. So I appealed to the principals of the schools and I said, I really need you to help our indigenous students to feel as welcomed as the children from the base and so so I so I I reach out you know I reach out and I ask you let's do a healing walk together I actually went to a sweat lodge on base you know we have a sweat lodge that uh, the base Gagetown has we have uh, cultural awareness gatherings and celebrations and walks for the murdered and missing indigenous women and girls so it's been a good partnership same thing with her honors office and uh, the priests, I, I work with the priests as well, you know, um, and, and, and do, and I've had priests come to my sweat lodges because I conduct those ceremonies. And uh, so I, I'm, I'm really reaching out to all organizations, Catholic Women's League across the country, uh, the uh, university uh, retirees, you know, so it, it's not just the government that's going to do, you know, the deed for us. It, it needs society and it needs our our people of our 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 residents of New Brunswick, you know, to um, 
to open eyes open. I remember one time there was a gentleman I went I wanted to go do a ceremony on what they used to call Savage Island, which is now Ekbahug, um, by Hearts Island and everything. And I remember going there and I remember this person telling me, you, you're trespassing. I said, sir, I just wanted to come by the shore to see because I'm going to be doing a weekend fast on the island and I need to get over there either by canoe and well, nope. And so he was really upset. But then later on, about six months later, so we found another way to get to the island. Uh, he, he called and apologized. And he said, um, you're more than welcome now. I, of course, I didn't need to anymore. So, But but that's what happens. We're, so we're, we're made to feel, you know. And then when Keith talks about the past, the most important thing is when I talked about identity is how do I explain to my generations yet to be born that Wolustuk was renamed St. John because somebody else came and decided to name it without our permission, and therefore, but you're still related to the river, and I'm, I'm one of those children that was able to drink from Wolostuk, St. John, by cupping my hand into the river from my grandfather's canoe, and seeing how clean it was that I could actually see the salmon, you know, and my grandchildren won't see that. You know, the only salmon they're probably, I mean, yes, they'll see salmon, but it's farmed, it's changed, it's canned, it's, you know what I mean? So for me, that past is important of addressing by renaming the river, not renaming it, giving its name back. So I say publicly, St. John's the middle name, well, Lestuk's the first name. <laughs> I really appreciate uh, your time uh, for both of you. I, I, one last question for both of you: uh, what, what does, uh, what the, when in your most hopeful selves, what, what does New Brunswick look like going forward in terms of, you know, reconciliation and a shared sense of community, a shared sense of the economy? What, what are your biggest hopes from this gathering circle, but obviously just generally? Um, I'll, I'll answer first, and I'll, I'm going to close that off. Just to go back to, you, to your previous question, where you asked, do we think we're making any traction with the government? You know, I think we, I think there is, there, there, I think we are. There is, there, there is a moral and a, a social and moral impact that's uh, movement that's growing, and, and, and people are, 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 are wanting to make to change the world to see better. You see that? You saw that? You saw that happen with the. The Black Lives Matter movements and, and things like that, and, and young people today are more again, while they're while they're less some at least appears to me, and it's awfully broad strokes, less monetarily motivated. They are much more motivated to make the world better, whether it be uh, green and, and environmental stuff or, or or people and and relationship stuff. And looking the other part of the circle, is doing we are bringing business people together, and if we can't convince them from those grounds, the government tends to listen to dollars and cents and money. And and indigenous reconciliation is an economic driver for this country. It it, it makes absolutely no sense to 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 exclude ten percent of the population from the economy. It just makes no sense. So I think all that happens. What do I think? You know, this province has. 
has a has has a lot of different divides. It has rural versus urban. It has French and English that, that take a lot of the the air, take take a lot of the oxygen out, and, and doesn't always leave room for other discussions, whether it be indigenous or 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 you know, other other minority groups. But uh, but I do think that the the movement is in the air that 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 people want it. And this province is always is I've always said this is a great place to do business. It's great because we're small. We we can know each other. We can talk to each other very easily and get to all corners. So the potential is there to make make significant change quickly if the will is there. And I think the will is coming there. So do I? I you know, this the pandemic and it has been a has been a been a 2020 was a terrible year. I'm not sure we're a dog, but my my puppy was born on December 27th, and it was heaven on earth for her. But for the rest of us, it's been a little bit, a little bit less than that. But it's going. But it's we've done. The province has come through that. We're, we're healthy. We, we've really done a, as good a job as you could, and it's brought attention to us. And people will understand, see the benefits of being here and being in a in a, 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 a group that can can reach out to each other and work together. You know, you know, the political parties for the most part work their way through. They, they, when you re, when it comes right down to it, people will reach out their hand and help each other if, when, it, when push comes to shove. So I'm. I'm 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 a I'm a, I'm an entrepreneur. Entrepreneurs are, by definition, some people always ask, "What makes you an entrepreneur?" Optimism. You always believe it'll work, mm -hmm. and uh, and I do think it'll work. And I think we're going to get better. And I, I I think there's 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 people over the over the province that, that care enough about it to do something to help. Yes, I, and I, I I agree with Keith and stuff. You know that optimism. And for example, uh, the Delta, um, Delta New Brunswick, um, their uh, CEO had asked uh, David and I uh, many years ago to have an in-service session for their CEOs so that they can be better treaty partners. And so what we ended up doing is they actually uh, commissioned a a wampum belt. Um, to symbolize that their their promise to be good treaty, you know, uh, partners in the province, um, they commissioned a wampum belt, and we did the ceremonial putting the wampum belt in Wollastook and then blessing it that way. Then then it was framed, and it's now in the lobby, and um, and uh, we can do sunrise ceremonies there. They planted a medicine wheel garden so that the youth can come and pick the traditional medicines because we're limited where we can pick our medicines now because Crown Land has, you know, um, do not trespass signs on, on some of the places. And so uh, so the, the Delta actually planted a garden. Um, Her Honor is uh, going to be planting, uh, what I'm suggesting is a, um, to honor murdered and missing indigenous women and girls, I, I initiated a red shawl campaign as opposed to the red dress that's Southwest, because when I came back here, there was a red dress campaign here in New Brunswick for heart health for women. So I didn't want the two to be confused. And so I initiated a red shawl campaign. So then the Atlantic Ballet partnered. So, so you know, so we're expanding, you know, so New Brunswick is, is um, uh, inviting and uh, weaving, I guess I should say, you know, uh, weaving a new relationship uh, f with the business community, but also with the um, other, you know, other spaces and in our province. Um, I know um, 
there's still work to be done and we'll continue to do that. I've asked the mayor if City Hall, um, a matter of fact, I'm supposed to be unveiling before pre-COVID, I have named, which I can't tell you what the names are, but I've named three uh, trails uh, in our city, both on the south side and on the north side in our language. And I remember the uh, running into the previous mayor at the grocery store and I says, guess what? You're going to see our language in the province, you know. And he says, well, I hope it's a little teeny tiny word because your words are real long. And I says, I'm telling you what, Mr. Mayor, no offense, but if I learned how to say supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, you can name, you know, something in our language as well. <laughs> so, so, so that's that, and and so I see that, and hopefully, you know, I'll, I'm I'm going to be asking the parks people when are we unveiling those trails that I've named, you know, and stuff because it's, it would be symbolic, in even during the pandemic to do something uh, that shows, you know, um, you know, like when they named two nations the highway or the trailway you know and it's 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 acknowledging that oh there are indigenous people here you know and and uh, let's let's start um let's start forging uh you know a that two row wampum belt pathway where we respect each other and we can still mingle without without um you know uh upsetting upsetting our our you know um forcing and and you know when the when they were talking about putting Wollastigway language and Mi'kmaq language in all the schools, people were uproared. Oh my goodness, how, that's so terrible. We're not forcing anybody to learn our language, but all I ask from City Hall is, can we have something in the language to acknowledge to tourists and uh, newcomers that there's another language here besides French and English? Couldn't we put something up? So I've made some suggestions and I'm still hoping the mayor will say that just having something on City Hall in the first language of the land would really be a, 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 a truthful statement, you know, and stuff that City Hall acknowledges, you know, that there's another language here. And I just think that's a good start, you know, for the town to accept that, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, there, there's languages, there's a culture, there's an economy, right, before mm -hmm. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, thank, thank you very much. I, actually, when I... Uh, Partway through our conversation, uh, I thought to myself, I want to join this gathering circle. <laughs> and it, and it, it made me think uh, that I'm sure, and listening to you, Imelda, it sounds like, you know, you probably want, you want the gathering circle to be 750,000 strong. <laughs> so maybe there is a place for me. <laughs> as long as, as long as the heart, you know, like we, we just had somebody requesting Andrea, if, we, if she could join from Halifax, I think, and and I just said, yes, another heart to, you know, to learn about compassion and understanding, another set of ears to hear the concerns that the young Shani had, you know, and other young people are having and, and feeling sometimes. And that's why we worried about the suicide rate. It's, it's this lack of pride and identity, you know, and stuff. And so we're losing so many young people. And, uh, and of course, another set of eyes to see um, the systemic racism that still occurs, you know. And then, of course, um, the, um, the, the hands to do the work, to join the circle, the, the, the feet to walk an honorable earth walk together, you know, and stuff in beauty and not, not in hatred. All right. Well, thanks very much. I appreciate you both taking the time to talk to me.
been a pleasure, guys. Thank you. You've been listening to the latest episode of Huddle Home Office. And thank you, Imelda and Keith, for that great chat. And thank you to Inda for giving us some insight uh, on the articles you wrote for Huddle that were the basis for this conversation today. You can find Inda's pieces on Huddle's website, and there will be links out of the story promoting this podcast. A Home Office is produced by me, Mark Legere, Shree Sletson, and Tyler McLean. And you can subscribe to Huddle Home Office on your favorite podcast platform. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. We will talk to you next week.